The America's National Parks podcast is brought to you by L.L. Bean, your source for warm, cozy styles this fall. For 108 years, L.L. Bean has staked their reputation on making comfortable clothing and gear to help you enjoy the healthy benefits of being outside. From legendary main-made boots to layers that are just the right weight to flannel shirts that out-cozy all others. Find joy in the tried and true. Visit LLBean.com to find a store or shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. There is something so breathtakingly beautiful about seeing wild horses in a national park. It's a link to a time when horses running free wasn't such a novelty, so much as the norm. We've had the pleasure of seeing this only a few times in the four years we've been traveling full-time, once when hiking through the Glen Canyon National Recreation Area in Arizona, and the second and most astonishing when a family of wild horses came right into our campsite when we were camping at Fletcher View Campground in the Spring Mountains outside of Las Vegas. It was nothing short of amazing. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, one of the best places to find wild horses, a place where they have an island all to their own, Assateague Island National Seashore. There are about 60,000 free-roaming horses in North America, and while we call them wild, they might more accurately fit the definition of feral which means they're free-roaming descendants of domesticated horses. Regardless, their majesty is impressive to behold anywhere you find them. Domesticated horses were introduced into North America beginning with the Spanish conquest. Escaped horses then spread throughout the Great Plains. But it's clear that centuries of domestication didn't alter their instincts too much, as they quickly reverted to ancient behavioral patterns in the wild. The horses at Assateague are split into two main herds one on the Virginia side of the island and the other on the Maryland side. They're separated by a fence at the Virginia-Maryland state line. The herds have then divided themselves into bands of 2 to 12 animals, and each band occupies a home range. The National Park Service manages the Maryland herd. The Chincoteague Volunteer Fire Company owns and manages the Virginia herd, which is allowed to graze on the Chincoteague National Wildlife Refuge through a special use permit issued by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. The permit restricts the size of the herd to approximately 150 adult animals in order to protect the other natural resources of the wildlife refuge. The Virginia herd's horses are treated much more like livestock than wild animals, and a certain number are swam across to shore and sold off each year. The National Park Service manages the Maryland herd much more like wild animals, though as a non-native species, it can be a challenge. Here's Abigail Trebue. When most of the Maryland portion of Assateague Island became a national seashore in 1965, there were 10 horses living within the new park's boundaries. By 1968, there were 28. But it wasn't until 1975 that scientists began to study the seashore's horse population. Surveys continue today over a 21-mile area between the Ocean City Inlet and the Virginia State Line. 
during the surveys, which are completed six times a year by vehicle and foot, each horse in the population is accounted for. A sighting record is completed as each horse is identified by a combination of features such as color, sex, markings, and scars. This is then added to a database that includes biological information such as age, maternal ancestry of the herd, the ratio of male to female horses, mortality rate, and frequency of foaling. Early surveys revealed that the original population was increasing at a rate of 10 to 15 percent annually. With horses being a non-native species, their increased population growth caused the seashore's manager's concern over the effect on the environment. Horses eat the seashore grass habitat that many native creatures thrive in. The challenge became how to protect the long-term health and viability of the horses while at the same time minimizing their impact. A series of studies were launched to determine the impact of the horses on island vegetation. The studies focused on the species that horses prefer, salt marsh cordgrass, American beachgrass, and three-square sedge. The study revealed these species were being overgrazed, leading scientists to determine that the island could only support a limited number of horses. Scientists and seashore managers set out to explore a variety of methods to reduce and stabilize the population, knowing that removing or selling animals was not an acceptable option. Using the results of limited field trials with a wild Mustang population out west, managers agreed to allow scientists to test the feasibility of controlling the horse population with some type of contraceptive. In 1986, the initial fertility control studies focused on using steroids on both the stallions and the mares. This approach proved ineffective. Researchers then focused on the promising field of immunocontraception, Ideally, the contraceptive would be effective, reversible, and safe. It would not affect social behavior and would be remotely deliverable so that no animal would have to be captured. In 1988, scientists began field trials on 26 mares that focused on administering a contraceptive through a dart gun. Six untreated mares were added to the trial for comparison. That fall, pregnancy tests revealed that no treated mares were pregnant. However, three untreated mares were. Research on the effect of the drug, including its reversibility, continued for the next seven years. With ecological studies and fertility control research in hand, it was time to set a horse population management goal. After careful examination of all habitat and biological studies available, managers decided on an initial population goal of 150 animals. Adaptive management of the seashore's horses is an ever-evolving process. In 2006, based on more current genetic and ecological studies, managers revised the goal down to a range of 80 to 100 animals. A population of this size will remain genetically viable and still have minimal impacts on island vegetation and habitat. The population has since reached the new goal, and the last mare to be given contraception was a single two-year-old in 2016. Managers continue to monitor the horse population while proactively protecting the island and its resources for future generations.
Evidence suggests that domestic horses were on Assateague as early as 1669, when settlers put their livestock, including horses, on the island. It was a natural corral. Descendants of these animals have been living in the wild on Assateague for well over 300 years. Assateague is a 37-mile-long island along the coast of Maryland and Virginia. Most of the Maryland district is managed by the National Park Service as Assateague Island National Seashore. The state of Maryland manages two miles of the Maryland district as Assateague State Park, and the Virginia district is managed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service as the Chincoteague National Wildlife Refuge. The Tom's Cove Visitor Center and a recreational beach within the Chincoteague National Wildlife Refuge are also managed by the National Park Service. Assateague Island National Seashore is open year-round, and the Chincoteague National Wildlife Refuge hours change seasonally. With no vehicle access between the two districts on the island, vehicles must return to the mainland to access either the north or south entrance. Summers at Assateague are generally hot and humid. Mosquitoes, biting flies, gnats, and ticks are abundant from spring through autumn. Insect repellent and protective clothing is recommended. It rarely snows in the winter, but the island is often cold, damp, and windy. Sturdy hiking shoes are recommended for long walks in the sand, and hard-soled water shoes or sandals for wading in bay waters. This episode of America's National Parks was narrated by Abigail Trebu and hosted by me, Jason Epperson. If you enjoyed the show, we love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. For more great American destinations, give us a listen at the Sea America podcast. And if you're interested in RV travel, find us at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Abigail and me as we travel the country with our three boys all over social media as our wandering family. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag Be an Outsider and visit LLBean.com. Find great gear for exploring the national parks. <laughs>